0: Podcast One Stop Shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Host of Leafs Launch, also contributor to Overdrive as Al's brother. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating or review as well and make us your first listen of the day. Um, <clears throat> so, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Alright, so the Toronto Maple Leafs with another victory, pushing it to back-to-back wins for the first time all season. They beat the Detroit Red Wings by a score of 5-4 to four in regulation few things to point out about this game. Then I'll go through my three stars and then I'm actually going to do, since we have our first like full month out of the way, uh, it's not a full month, but the the month of October is over, so I'm going to do a Monday morning power ranking. So I'm going to power rank this division that the Maple Leafs find themselves in, see where they are, where I think they stack up amongst the rest of the group, and how, I guess, well, this could affect the the, the playoff race, I suppose. So we'll get into all that uh, after we, we chat about Saturday night's game. So let's get right to it. Um, So yeah, 5-4 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Look, two points is two points. They got the win. I'm seeing good things. We're seeing steps in the right direction. The second line continued to play well. You know, um, uh, Mitch Marner uh, had a really good game. John Tavares, really strong game. Three-point effort himself. Kerfoot looked really good. So we're starting to see some of the, the big boys Begin to play, uh, play well. They're starting to find the score sheet. Some consistency is starting to get built in here. Not just consistency game after game, but shift by shift, which is also really important. You know, when you look at the micro level of things, just have you know make sure your next shift is better than your last. Like that, I remember coaches used to tell me that all the time. Just make sure your your next shift uh, is better than your last, and if you keep doing that, you should have a pretty good day. Um, unless, of course, you're uh, Travis Dermott. And it's it's very easy to make sure that your shift is better than your last uh, on that Nemesnikov goal because, well, he actually didn't get another shift for the rest of the game after that goal, uh, that Nemesnikov goal late in the third, about, nah, about midway through the third period, um, which was interesting. But uh, the new D pairings, though, that brings me to that next kind of talking point about this game. Um some good, some bad, obviously, I think Dermot the Dermot Riley pairing probably wasn't as good as i'd I'd wanted them to be, not as good as I'd hoped that 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 they would be considering that I thought Dermott had actually played really well in uh in a limited role alongside Rasmus Sandine not only just like he wasn't just purely sheltered either in that role like they were getting some defensive zone starts um against decent competition not the top top competition but decent competition and um you know so I thought okay maybe this would work and I guess that's also why Sheldon Keith wanted to see how it all worked out and, like, they were bad. They were fine. But it was a couple of glaring uh, glaring mistakes that they were on the ice for. I think he was on the ice for two of the, th- the goals in the third period. I believe both the Valeno and the Nemesnikov goal were kind of just, you know, um, you know, bad coverage in their own zone. Volano wide open in the slot for uh, for breakaway. And then Nemesnikov, no one picks him up at the side of the net, and he bangs at a, at a puck out in front of Razzik and gets it. And, you know, it's just kind of they were momentum killers because – that was about a minute after Kerfoot scored to make it three one, and then the Nemesnikov goal was about a minute after Tavares made it four two. So they were just kind of momentum, uh, momentum killers in a way. So I, I guess you know Dermot kind of had to take a seat for the rest of the third period there and think about what he had done. Um, but it, it did not seem like it's going to cost him a job. I know there was a lot of conversations about what happens with these pairings now because I liked Brody and Muzzin. I thought that they actually uh, were a legitimate shutdown pairing and you know considering that they both had like 50 percent uh 50 percent d-zone starts um you know they started a a majority uh or or half of their starts were in the d-zone but the puck was in the offensive zone a lot too but you know they were a true true shutdown pairing um and even despite being a shutdown pairing they still had a 65 percent expected goals for percentage um you know despite that now this is not the la or this is not the vegas golden knights this is not the boston bruins and this is not the tampa bay lightning this was the detroit red wings and yeah they've had a good a good start but i think we can all look at this team and and still be like all right well they they should win they should win that game they should be able to shut down the red wings especially when the red wings didn't have tyler Bertuzzi because he didn't get the jab and is not allowed to cross over the border um so, like, they should get the win. And I think that's where I do have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth after that victory. Like, I saw some things that I liked. I, I liked, you know, the 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 formation of a new traditional shutdown pairing with Muzzin and Brody. I thought that, uh, you know, that second line got going. I thought that, uh, you know, that top line played well. Maybe not. They didn't really find the score sheet. They didn't play amazingly. But overall, I thought the team played good enough. But... It's that lack of killer instinct which is which is a term that we've used before it's a term that has been discussed Many, many times with this with this group it was used last year when they were up 3-1 in the series against the Montreal Canadiens. They just didn't have that killer instinct to put games away, to put series away. And that's kind of what happened again here on Saturday. Three separate occasions in the third period. They, they built on leads and they had two goal leads and failed to put them away. Instead, back-breaking, um, you know. Uh, taking away momentum, backbreaking shifts, allowing the opposition to score and bring it back to within a goal. Three times we saw this happen. Three times. Um, after we saw Kerfoot make it 3-1 early in the third, and then Valeno goes out, and they score it 3-2. The Tavares scores on that two-on-one, and then Nemesikov comes and scores and makes it 4-3. And then Mitch Marner goes out, and he scores. Pressures Letty on the puck, forces a turnover. Marner with his first of the season, not Quite how you want to draw it up, but a wide open cage. He'll tuck that in, say thank you very much. Off the schneid he goes. He had 48 shots on goal, by the way, in between his last goal from May 8th, <laughs> May 8th of last year, and, uh, and well, I guess technically this year, but of last season, and then Saturday night's goal. 48 shots before he finally found the back of the net. Um and it's not how you would expect it to, but a goal is a goal and he'll take it. Um, and then again, late late in the period, they score to make it 5-4 to pull to them one with about 30 seconds left and give that team a chance to to fight. And there was a scramble in front in the final seconds where Detroit had a chance to score to tie the game and take it into overtime. Luckily, Mrazic was able to make uh, one final decent stop there and uh, hold on for the victory. So... You know, just that lack of killer instinct. I didn't think Mrazek particularly played well. Um, you know, he gave up four goals on 30 shots. There's an expected goals for of 1.27, and he allowed four. So, you know, a couple of softies that I'm sure he would want back. Um, and It's just, you know, is what it is. But you get the two points. You know, good teams beat up the bad teams. You get those, and you move forward. The problem is you know now we're, the leafs are going into a week where now they've got Vegas on Tuesday then they've got I think it's it's what Vegas Tuesday and then I want to say they have Tampa Thursday and then Boston on Friday I think it is Vegas on Tuesday Tampa on Thursday and then uh no it's going to be Saturday so Saturday, they've got uh, they've got the Bruins. But big week coming up for them, right, when it comes to, to competition. This is three big games in a row. This is the litmus test to see exactly where they're at. They've got some of the kinks out of the way um, early on in the season. It seems like they have a decent shutdown pairing. Uh, the pairings came out from practice today, and they have remained the same. Justin Hall, still a healthy scratch, uh, as it looks, at least in practice. It appears that way. And then Muzzin and, and Brody are together. You have Riley and Dermot together, and then the the kids who I thought played well uh, in Sandine and and Lillegrin. Um So let's take uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, I'll go through my three stars of the game, and then a little bit later on, we'll do our power rankings. Power ranking the Atlantic Division and seeing where exactly the Maple Leafs stand through the first few weeks, uh, through the first month, I suppose, the first calendar month of the. Uh, NHL regular season. So we'll do all that when we return here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings you all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's a no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at direct tv.com that's directtv.com. compatible device required content varies by package all right welcome back to locked on lease mike de with you the host of this program Uh, just a a reminder that we do have new episodes coming each and every day, Monday to Friday, or at least I try to, (laughs) that is the goal, um, to give you that up to, up to date, latest and best content that I could possibly give you. Uh, so make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast from. Make us your first listen of the day and get all of the information you need and get caught up on what's going on with Leafs Nation. Uh, so Maple Leafs coming off a 5-4 win against the Detroit Red Wings Saturday night. Um, you know, uh, the, the top line I thought played very, very, or the second line rather, played very well. Um, I thought that the goaltending was a little spotty, they, they didn't quite put the team away when they were supposed to, when they could have in the third period, um, but at the end of the day, a win is a win, they pick up the two points, and they are now on a two-game winning streak, so I guess uh, the word streak can officially be used for what I think is the first time this season uh, where they've went back-to-back, back. but... Let's take a look at our three stars from last night's game. I'm going to start with the third star of the game from Saturday night, and I'm actually going to give it to uh, a pair, and it's going to be the Sandine lilligrid pair. I actually really, really liked what they did. And, I mean, I've been a big fan of Sandine all season long. He's been, I mean, arguably the most consistent defender uh, for the Maple Leafs this season. You know, there hasn't been many games where I, I walk away saying, like, oh, Sandine, that was that was awful. That was terrible. Where I say that I've probably said that about each and every one of the other uh five uh you know starter defensemen so far this season, so him getting matched up with lilligren after justin hall was was scratched for this one, and I thought that they played fantastically um they even got some extended minutes Sandine played fifteen minutes Lilligren seventeen minutes including about a a buck and a half uh on the pK which was which was something that I wasn't quite expecting it's it's actually nice to see that. Keith has that type of trust in Timothy Lilligren. It's something that um, if Justin Hall is going to continue to be a healthy scratch, they do need to find someone to take those penalty kill minutes. So, all right, why not? Let's see if Lily could do it. And he didn't look too bad. Um, at 5-on-5, five five, though, they were the most productive uh, pair out there. Actually, the most like productive players out there. Uh, when they were out on the ice, it, they had a positive shot share of 82%. Eighty-two percent of the shot share were in favor of the Maple Leafs when those two were out on the ice. Now, favorable matchups—they were like heavy, heavy, heavy um, offensive zone starts. So they didn't quite, you know, they weren't—they were sheltered in that regard. But it's still encouraging to see them out there, confident with the puck, putting it on net. Um, you know, feeding their their. Teammates down low and allowing, you know, the them to create, allowing like Matthews to create and do some stuff, or Tavares to create and do some stuff. So, you know, I I truly did uh, like what the pairing brought. I thought that they did some some good things at five on five. They did some good things uh, on special teams, and they deserve a shout out. So I'm giving that pair uh, the young kids, the kid pair. Uh, the third star of the game, second star of the night. I'm going to give to. I, I really struggled with this one, um, but I'm going to give it to Mitch Marner. Uh, I thought Marner was was actually like really really good in that game, and for a second game in a row now, uh, he's he's played like the the first team all star winger that we that we saw a year ago. Um, and he finally found the back of the net. Like we say, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. But hey, he now has a goal in the column. It's no longer a zero. And you know that that was weighing on him. That was totally weighing on him. And now that he's got one, now the floodgates can open. Now he doesn't have to try so hard. Now he doesn't have to try and score the the, the pretty one just to to get that monkey off the back. Now it's just another goal. It's not as meaningful anymore. So the fact that he was able to... And and the way that he scored it too, like he worked for that goal. He worked for it, right? You you think about it, you know, Nick Letty has the puck in behind uh the net, the 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 goalie um Thomas Grice goes to play the puck over to Nick Letty, Marner goes, pressures him, you know, good, hard on the forecheck, forces a turnover, Letty tries to get rid of it, forces a turnover, uh, you know, Mitch Marner, stick-checks him, and then gets a loose puck and has a wide-open cage, and he just tucks it in. Boom. Tucks it in, team goes up uh, 5-3, and that ends up being the game winner. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be pretty. As long as you get pucks into the back of the net, that's a good thing. That is a really, really good thing. Um... But he was, he was just, you know, great all game long. He was creating, he was setting things up. The Muzzin goal uh, late in the third period, that was all due to Mitch Marner, right? He brings the puck in into the zone, Stick handles himself into getting some extra ice as, you know, DeKaiser fails to close the gap on him, and then he filters the puck down low to Tavares, who gets it up to Brody over to Muzzin. He walks in and he rips a shot, uh, goes off a body and in, right? But that clean entry by Marner and by him, you know, making that... That one extra move to pull away and create ice allows time for them to set up. It allows Tavares to get in deep, to get the puck down to him, then to get it back up and stretch the defense. And then next thing you know, the Leafs are up one nothing, 13 seconds left in the first, and they're heading into the into the intermission with a lead. Not something we've seen a lot of. So it was good to see it happen um, and then not squander it like they did in the Carolina game. But it's like stuff like that, right? Like that didn't show up on the stat sheet for Mitch Marner. He only finished with one goal, one point on the game. But it was, you know, stuff like that where he is creating more ice for himself. He's patient with the puck. He's playing it with so much more confidence. Like, that's when Mitch Marner's at his best, and he looked good. Um, had a 90% expected goals for percentage uh, in that game. So, you know, Mitch Marner, uh, you know, he's starting to return to form, which is nice to see. So, we'll give him the second star of the game. First star, hey. Johnny Tarana, the captain, John Tavares, has a terrific game. Uh, a goal, two helpers, three points on the night, uh, 71% in the faceoff dot, uh, 78% expected goals for. I mean, but you just take a look at the goals. You take a look at his, his points, that what he was able to do. And, you know, the Kerfoot one is him just working in behind the net right? The Kerfoot goal, that's him going in hard. Uh, Kerfoot chips the puck in. He chases in after it. He gets a hold of it. And then again, he kind of creates space, gets the D-man off of him, and then spots Kerfoot, kind of inching his way into the center of the center of the ice, into the slot, and he finds him, nifty little pass, and Kerfoot fires it into the back of the net. And, then, you know, John Tavares and Kerfoot on a two-on-one earlier in the game. Kerfoot sauces it over Tavares, and he makes no mistake about it. He ends up getting the one-timer off, and boom, it's 4-2. Early on in the, or it's 4-2, and they regain that two-goal lead. Um, he was working hard, uh, you know, on, on you know puck battles in the corners. He was, you know, doing his thing in front of the net, the Muzzin goal. The Muzzin goal split, like, so I don't believe yet. Yeah, so Tavares did technically get the, the secondary assist on that Muzzin goal. But even if you want to give another assist, just because the way that, this is why going to the net is important, okay? This is why. So Jake Muzzin takes a shot from the faceoff dot, essentially where it was, That was somewhat of a seeing-eye shot. I mean, Mrazek probably wants that back. But Mrazek was uncomfortable because he had a body. He had bodies near him, right? So Tavares, after he had filtered the puck up to Brody, went straight to the net for the screen. Now, he didn't quite get in front of Mrazek, but he got to the net at least. And there was bodies in front. And his man, who followed him to the net, a puck went off of that defender. Right. So he brought an extra guy, brought traffic to the net just by going there. And then it goes off of, of the defenseman. I can't remember exactly who it was. Maybe it was DeKaiser. Could have been Letty. Off of the defenseman shoulder and then into the back of the net. And the Leafs have a one-nothing lead uh going into the intermission with 13 seconds left. So, you know, like that type of, of fight, that type of work that I, I, I really love to see out of out of Tavaris. It seems like he is starting to round into form. So it's good to see and uh, 100% deserved of the first star of the game. Um, The only other thing that I guess I'll say about this game before I wrap things up, uh, I did mention it that earlier, uh, the practice lines had just came out, and it seems like they're going to remain the same as they were in the game before. So Justin Hall, um, seemingly, looks like the the odd man out, the seventh man, uh, the seventh defenseman of the group, and Lilligren's going to get another look here with Sandine and see what what he can do, see if he can follow up his performance Saturday night against a, a tougher group in, in 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 Vegas, and I think that's why I. I I think he wants to figure it out. Like, okay, they looked good, but they were playing against a Detroit Red Wings team who, A, is not great. B, didn't have their top goal scorer in Tyler Bertuzzi. And we're on night two of a back-to-back. So, And they played the Florida Panthers the night before, who are a very good team um, and a hard team to play against. So, you know, yes, those defensive pairings worked, but what about a team that has more depth? A team like Vegas, a team like Tampa, and a team like Boston. This is where it's going to get interesting with the defensive pairings to see if it works. And I, I, I think it's 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 smart on Keith to find out now, now. To make sure that Lilligren, or more so that Dermot, actually, not even you can shelter Sandin and Lilligren enough. I think it's Dermot that you really need to, to find out if he can, if he can do the job um, of being a top pair, not necessarily a top pair defenseman, but getting tougher, uh, tougher competition, having more responsibility up on a pairing with Morgan Riley. Uh, Is he going to be able to do it against higher and better competition, the second line of Vegas or the second line of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, which is way better than the competition that you would be going up against in against teams like Detroit? So, you know, figure that out um, as soon as you can and know if this is something that's viable going forward at the end of the day or potentially The Maple Leafs, before it gets too late, may have to make a move, may have to make a trade and bring in another defenseman if Justin Hall ain't the guy and Dermott isn't the guy. They may need another top-four defenseman. Um, So... Kudos to to Keith for kind of trying to see how this works against Stanley Cup-type competition. And and I like the fact that we're going to see those pairings kind of remain for the game tomorrow. Assuming that today's practice lines are indicative of what they're going to be doing uh, tomorrow. Uh, Okay, we'll take one more quick break when we get back. Let's do the Monday morning power rankings and see where the Maple Leafs sit in the Atlantic Division. According to me, just me. This is my rankings, not anybody else's. These are just my rankings. So if you have something different, I would love for you to challenge me on them and let me know if you think it's different. But these are my rankings from what I've seen over the first few weeks of the NHL season. All right, we'll get back to all that when we return here on the Locked on Leafs podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that the Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time only? Right now, they've got Grasshopper Cookie. It is phenomenal. And when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about all of their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got Coconut, Coconut Almond, Cherry, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Peanut Butter Brownie, Double Chocolate, and Salted Caramel. So there's something for everyone. And know this, my favorite flavor the peanut butter brownie it is fantastic and if you haven't tried all the flavors you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors that we provide and not only are the built bar flavors the best tasting but they're healthy too they're great for the health conscious guy or gal but also good for the keto diet most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein just 130 calories only four grams of sugar and only four grams of net Carbs order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like and get it now. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code locked15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Welcome back into Locked on Leafs. Mike DiStefano, the host of this show, and hey, be a friend, tell a friend about Locked on Leafs. We've got stuff each and every day, the latest. Maple Leafs content in the land. Uh, All right, let's get right to it. I said we're going to be coming back and we're going to be chatting about the Atlantic Division. We're going to be doing our uh, Atlantic Division power rankings and right up at the tippy-toppy, the tippy-top. Yeah, so we're going to go with the Florida Panthers as the top team right now in the Atlantic Division because 8-0-1 sounds a lot more likely than 8-1-1. I did think that they were, like, basically undefeated when they lose. Okay, so they lost the game against... uh, So they lost one in a shootout to Boston. That was on Saturday. And, honestly, I I believe that's the only loss that they've suffered. And that's a pretty good team, man. That is a really good, strong team. Now, obviously, there are some issues right now going on with that team. Um, Not exactly sure... Uh, who is going to be uh, their head coach of the future? Andrew Brunette is, is currently that guy. Um, yeah, so yeah, the only, they suffered their first loss Saturday night. So uh, the athletic is, is very, very wrong in, in what's going on in their standings. Anyways, 8-0-1 on to start the year. The Florida Panthers, uh, a plus-18 goal differential. Plus-18 goal differential. For a team that has Sergei Bobrovsky on it, um, You know, you weren't sure what you were going to get from the gold penning perspective. It's been phenomenal. It's been great. Outstanding. And then up front, Barkoff. Awesome. Carter Verhage. Oh, is he going to have a, a, a slower start to his second, you know, is he going to be able to uh, build off of what he did last year, scoring 30 out of, really, came out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah. He's doing pretty darn good. He's doing pretty darn good. And then additionally, you know, Sam Bennett has continued to play well defensively. They've got some some studs. Aaron Ekblad back healthy. He's playing well. Um, you know, Gustav Forsling has seven assists this season for them. So he's following up last year's strong play with another strong season this year. Mackenzie Wieger out there doing his thing. Like, they just have some—they're some, getting— they're getting scoring from everywhere, and like I, I don't even think I mentioned Jonathan Huberto, who leads the team with 11 points, but like they're just getting offense from anyone and everyone. Sam Bennett, 7 points in 8 games. Sam Reinhardt, 7 points through 9. Uh, Verhage's got 3 goals so far on the year. The rookie, Anton Lindell, uh, just 5 games, but he's got 5 points in 5 games, so that ain't too shabby. So they're getting the offense from the entire lineup. It's incredibly deep. Uh, even Jumbo's got a goal so far this year. But it's the goaltending that's been outstanding. Sergei Bobrovsky, 6-0, a 181 goals against, and a 944 save percentage. And the rookie, Spencer Knight, 2-0-1, lost his first game in a shootout the other night against Boston, but a 195 goals against, and a 929 save percentage. Like, they're just getting amazing, outstanding goaltending. Like, this looks like a William Jennings Esque start to the year for these two goaltenders, and that's going to go a long way for the Florida Panthers, uh, who right now do look like the the elite of the elites of the uh, of the Atlantic. Uh, coming up after them, though, we have the defending Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, is the team who I have in second here for the uh, for uh, in the Atlantic Division power rankings. I have them in second place. Uh, Steven Stamkos off to a hell of a start. He's got 12 points in eight games. 12 points. Alex Kalorn six goals in eight games. Unbelievable. Uh, but as a team, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, a bit of a slow start. Uh, they were sub-500 up until a couple of games ago. But now 4-3-1. and one. Uh, They've got nine points. Currently sit fourth in the division. Um, they've won a couple in a row, like I said. But really, it's they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. I still think this is the most talented uh, overall group in the, in in the Atlantic. Um, no Kucherov for I think is what like eight to ten weeks, so that's going to be a bummer. And, and the fact that he's going to return, unlike last year, means that they won't be able to use that salary cap um, to go and replace him. So it's going to have to be replacement from within. And well, when well, you got a guy like Alex Kalorin scoring you nine points, uh, six goals, that's not too shabby. So you've got Kalorn doing uh, outstanding things. Obviously, Hedman, Sergachev, bringing Points, Anthony Sorelli. Like, they're just... God, this team is so good. So good. Um, and then, obviously, Andre Vasilevsky, 4-2-1 and uh, with a 9-11 save percentage on the year. So, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, a, a slow start, I guess you could say, because they uh, the first 10 games are barely 500, but... Look at this roster. This roster is outstanding, and they will most definitely be up at the top of this thing uh, when all said and done come, uh, come, come April or May of next year. Uh, coming in at third, I do not have the Toronto Maple Leafs coming in at number three, and that should not really surprise you if you've been watching the Maple Leafs. But I actually had the Boston Bruins coming in as uh, as my third place team here in this division. Uh, they've only played seven games, which is tied with the Sens for uh, the least amount of games uh, to start the season uh, so far this year. They are four and three in those seven games. Uh, a perfect three and zero at home, struggling on the road though. One and three on the road. Uh, but they did hand Florida their first loss. So, I mean, can't be that bad. They beat the uh, the undefeated Florida Panthers in a shootout, so they cannot be terrible. Uh, but no, like the the Bruins are always going to be good. You've got Marshawn, uh, really picking up where he, he left off last year, eight points through seven games. That second line we expected to to do some good things, right? They now have Taylor Hall along with uh, along with Charlie Coyle they both got five points through seven games they've combined for five goals, and they're really adding that second element of goal scoring. And considering that Patrice Bergeron still looking for his first goal, he only got two goals out of pasta so far this season, it's good for the Bruins that they are getting that secondary level of offense, which has been the big problem for them um, You know, in the past is once that top unit gets shut down, it's tough for them to muster up offense and, and tough for them to to uh to, to win games but now you got taylor hall seems like charlie coyle is 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 picking up where he left off um so it's it's a good good sighting for the boston Bruins uh goaltending wise they've been solid as well Lena Salmark three and one on the year at 223 goals against a 927 save percentage so Lena Salmark coming over from the Buffalo Sabres knows the division very well and um, and has been a rock for them uh, back between the pipes, which is good because the rookie, Jeremy Swayman, who up until Allmark signed was supposed to be their guy, has been terrible, but one and two on the year with an 8.93 save percentage uh, could, could be better, uh, could be better. But anyways, the Boston Bruins, to me, still a little bit better than Maple Leafs, not going to lie. I still uh, don't think the Leafs are at the level of the Boston Bruins, but hey, it is only one month. Things could change. Things could change. But coming in at number four, I do have the Toronto Maple Leafs coming in at number four in this division. And here's the problem, though. Like, I, I, okay. So the reason why I have them at number four, I guess since we've done this with every team, we can go through it. Uh, four, four, and one. So basically 500 on the year uh, through nine games, a minus eight goal differential. Um, so, and they have not been great on the road either. Just one and three on the road, three, one and one at home. Um, but like for Toronto, it's just The big boys weren't going. The power play's been abysmal. And, their team defense has not been what we had expected it to be after really revamping things and locking it down last year. It's not It's not been the case this season. So until they fix those deficiencies, they're going to have a, a tough time fitting into this top three in this Atlantic division, this Atlantic division who who is battle-tested. They've proven that they can win before. Um, the Maple Leafs have not done that yet. And it's what's really important about this season, like this this division specifically, is that uh, remember, only the top three teams advance into the playoffs uh, are guaranteed to advance at least per division. You get your first, second, and third, and then there's two wild card spots. But if you take a look at the other side of the aisle, out in uh, the Eastern Conference or out in the Metropolitan Division. They currently have, every single team is above, is 500 or better. Every team is 500 or better. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in last place, and they have eight points in the division through eight games. Through only eight games. So based on, like, win percentage, um, they may even be better than Toronto. Uh, no, Toronto's got, oh, they could be. They could be better than Toronto if they go out and they win their next game. They would have one more point than to Toronto, a better percentage. So, you know, it's it's tough. Um, I think that the Atlantic Division is probably going to make up three of the eight spots in the East, and then five spots are going to go to the Metro. So if Toronto wants to make a playoff push here and make the, make the playoffs in order to, you know, eventually lose in the first round, as they usually do, they're going to have to come out. They're going to have to buckle down and, and leapfrog Boston. I truly do believe only one of Toronto and Boston are going to make the playoffs this year. I believe that. I believe that to be true. And as of now, the way they've played, the Bruins have been better than the Maple Leafs. But that being said, Toronto's also not playing their best hockey right now, and they're still a five hundred club. So you can, if you want to look at it half full, that's the kind of way to do it. They've played poorly and still are at five hundred. Now they've you know collected wins against um, you know Detroit, Ottawa. Montreal, like they're the wins that they're picking up and collecting aren't really against top tier teams, but you know, think glass half full. This is a glass half full type type of mentality right now. All right, coming in at number five, I've got the Detroit Red Wings. I still think they're they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to factor in here, but I think they're a decent squad. They're currently actually above five hundred um, ahead of the Maple Leafs in the standings. They're four three and two on the year, ten points through nine games um and a minus two goal differential but they've scored 29 goals this season which is actually second in the entire division for goals scored so they're they're getting the goals man Tyler Bertuzzi's having a strong start to the year they've got Lucas Raymond he didn't really do much in a game against Toronto on the weekend but I mean this kid's got he's averaging a point per game through his first nine games and he's got like nine points in nine games it's It's really incredible what he's been able to do early on. And they get a hat trick, too, last week. So Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, another young kid. They've got some good pieces uh, that they've started to really put together. I don't think they're there yet. They might be a season or two away. The goaltending, I mean, Thomas Grice isn't going to bring you to the promised land, I don't think. Uh, Alex Nadelkovich, he had a great, great rookie season last year in Carolina. But let's be honest. The structure and the team playing in front of him in Carolina, and the structure and team playing in front of him in Detroit, way different, way way different. And his uh, what like three twenty goals against, and his eight eighty save percentage would would be more in line with what he's done the rest of his career than it did what he did last year with uh, with Carolina. So they may need to do something with the goaltending, or just really buckle. Buckle down defensively um, and and give them a shot. So Detroit coming in at number five for me. Uh, quickly go through the, the the final three, the bottom three. I've got the Buffalo Sabers, who's actually playing some really strong hockey right now. Um, surprisingly, somehow they are. But five two and one on the year, eleven points. They're second in the Atlantic Division, um, and even like their underlying numbers have been really good. Like. They actually like expected goals. They've they've outperformed a lot of the teams that they're playing. They've deserved victories. They're not just getting lucky. This isn't just a hot goalie. This isn't just you know they're getting lucky bounces. The PDO's out of whack. They're actually playing well. To be quite honest with you, Rasmus Asplund is having a good start to the year. Uh, Tage Thompson's playing well. Rasmus Dalene on the back end is playing some really good hockey right now. And Craig <coughs> Craig Anderson. Sorry about that. Craig Anderson is playing really hot. They, you know, he is uh, playing above his weights, and I do believe that this will all kind of come crashing down uh, very soon at some point. But uh, you know, so the Buffalo Sabres, I don't have as high as maybe you would think they uh, that I would have them, or you're more along my line of thinking where I'm like, okay, they have played good enough to not be in last, but I still have doubts so I can't consciously put them in the top five. And that's basically why I have Buffalo here at six. And then I got the Sens in at seven. Uh, they're three and four on the year. Um... Was six points in seven games. They've been pretty good, I think. And the fact that they missed Brady Kachuk for the first few games of the season, uh, I, I I think that Ottawa's fine. They'll be they'll be in the mix, you know. I think they will be in the mix. Unlike Buffalo and probably not Detroit either. I think they'll eventually fall out of it. You know, it'll it'll set and they'll fall out of it as as the coming weeks come here. And, but Ottawa, I think, is the team that could persist. That could truly try and push Toronto and Boston for one of those final playoff spots. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but I think the team uh, plays well enough. I think I saw Drake Batherson even was nominated as a third star of the week here in the NHL. So uh, I think that the, the Ottawa Senators, if they can get half-decent goaltending, half-decent goaltending, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be in, in position to at least compete and remain competitive within games. But the Montreal Canadiens coming in at dead last here in the Atlantic for me. Um, just 2-8 and eight through 10 games. They have picked up just four points. Cole Caulfield, yes, that Cole Caulfield sent down to the minors. No goals, just one assist through 10 games this year after, I mean, pff, killing it in the playoffs a season ago. Um, that's just kind of how it's gone for Montreal they just can't get it going. They finally had like a big goal-scoring outburst a couple of weeks or last weekend, I think it was against Detroit, beat them 6-1. Matthew Perot with a with a hat trick and they followed up with a 5-1 stinker to the Seattle Kraken. It has not gone well with Montreal. They don't have Carey Price for an unknown amount of time, but he's not around unless there's some update there, but I know he's not there as of now. Um, which means a lot of stress and pressure is being put on Jake Allen. But in front, they're missing Shea Weber. They're missing Joel Edmondson. And keep in mind that Phil Deneau, their top defensive center, who was a beast for them, is also gone. He is now in uh, in, <laughs> in L.A. So there are some significant pieces to that core, to that core from last year's playoff run that just aren't there. And, and you're seeing the holes in this team without those guys. So uh, I currently have them uh, here in, in eighth. Um, I believe they're in last place in the entire NHL, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's a lie. Chicago still without a win. Arizona still without a win. Uh, but that's it. So they're third, third last in the NHL, sitting in at 30th, 30th in the NHL. Boy, yeah, Chicago Blackhawks 0-7-2. Arizona 08 and 1. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, But hey, it hasn't gone much, much better. It's gone a little better, but not much better for Montreal. And uh, interestingly enough, Arizona, Chicago, Montreal, all three of these teams have been marred with some off ice uh, problems, to say the least. And uh, it's clearly affecting the on ice performance as well. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. I'll once again go through it. So it's the Florida Panthers to me are the best team in the Atlantic as of now. The Tampa Bay Lightning coming at two. The Boston Bruins third. Toronto fourth. The Red Wings coming in at fifth. The Sabres sixth Ottawa, seven, and the Montreal Canadiens in eighth. All right, that's to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You can receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Going to tee up the game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Toronto Maple Leafs. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.